it's time for reflection, guys. Did the Marlins make the right call on Yuri Perez? Equally, unpacking some of the Twitter spaces action with Craig Mish, joining the guys on Fish on First. Tons of nuggets from that one. Especially, is there a way for the Marlins to have Jorge Soler on the roster in 2024? Tons to get into, guys. This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on X <laughs> at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you're listening to the pod, hit subscribe. This, of course, is your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. This one is out early doors. Early. It's Tuesday's episode. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome back Sean Barrett, the UK GOAT is in the house. Uh, before we before we say our, our hellos again, um, don't forget there's a YouTube channel. Hit subscribe there too. Head on over there, hit subscribe, please. I think it is, it's essential. It's essential viewing. Equally, this episode is sponsored by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The UK goat, Sean Barrett. How are we doing, brother? Not too bad, Pete. Always like doubling up on a Monday. You know. Um, the second episode usually gets a bit interesting after a few uh, beverages. So, yeah. Uh, should be a good one. Boys are loosened right up, it's fair to say. Um, so, yeah, it felt a bit stiff maybe in episode one, but episode two, loose, feeling loose. Tons to get into, mate, because after after the Sunday game, game three, the Marlins walk it off against the Rockies. Great to see Craig Mish joining the fish on first, guys. Uh, two hours plus of content there from that one. So great effort from those guys. Great effort from Craig. Um, tons of questions, tons of topics, and we're going to try and dig into some of them in today's episode. And I think there's a lot of, you know, we're all thinking a lot of the same things, but equally Craig is connected to the Marlins whilst us guys are just fans with the podcast. And so, uh, you know, we'll talk about what Craig is telling us, which is fun. Um, we've got a long run down here. We need to talk about Yuri Perez and reflect on whether that, or how that's played out and, has it connected to this losing streak the Marlins have seen? Equally, Craig Mish was shining shining a light on a potential a potential outcome where Jorge Soler remains in Miami in 2024. We spent quite a bit of time talking about Sixto Sanchez, and so we'll spend quite a bit of time talking about Sixto Sanchez and Avicel Garcia, as well as a few other topics. There's loads to get into here, mate, but... One of the, the key things that I called out or that I took away from that uh, spaces with, with Craig was talking about Yuri Perez and how Craig, uh, he said, you know, got to call out the reporting on it was really tough because the Marlins kept changing their mind. We, I, I felt like we understood the premise, but we weren't totally sure how it was going to play out. But what we have seen, just to kind of bring everyone up to speed here with Yuri Perez, is he was optioned at a time before the All-Star break when he wouldn't be having another start. So we didn't lose anything then. He's gone down to double A. He's been doing bullpen stuff, but no actual innings at double A. So Rui Perez 
not throwing in any games right now. Equally, the Marlins then come out of the break and they go with a bullpen day in the, in the third game out, which to me totally threw me off, to be honest. So now we've let it simmer for a bit. The Marlins have just snapped the, the losing streak. We know what Yuri Perez is or isn't doing at double A. How do you feel about this decision now? I think I still am where I was, which was that they, to a certain degree, I adjusted, didn't I? Because originally my point was that you brought him up, you started the clock, you yeah. knew that he only had a limited amount of innings. Of course, they couldn't know what was going to happen with Trevor and with Quaid. So, so they kind of sort of like, they kept changing. They probably brought him up thinking it was only going to be for a little bit of time. Yeah. Then it kept changing and kept changing and kept changing. Got to the point where, yeah, he was running out of innings. That they, knew that they knew that this was going to happen at some point. So the, the sending down, I adjusted and was quite happy with that because my first point was just just let him throw his 100, 120 innings, whatever you want him to throw. Just let him go and do that and then send him down. Well done, shake his hand, you're done for the season. Yeah. Um, but obviously they made that, that adjustment, sent him down. I kind of knew that when they did that, that the bullpen, there needed to be a bullpen. I remember sending you, because I'm a degenerate, a projected two weeks between over the over the all-star break of how they could send Uri down and basically go with a four-man rotation with just one bullpen start. Yeah. So that was kind of my expectations anyway. Yeah. Craig was kind of right in the sense of why not let Uri be that opener in that bullpen game. Mm-hmm. Would have been quite interesting. Would have kept yeah, him in been. the. It would have kept him in the 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 twenty. You know, in the room. You know, yeah. in the locker room yeah. as well. That so maybe that part of it. I'll look at it as a mistake. Um, the fact that he's not throwing in the minors to me is interesting. It is. Those innings obviously would count towards a number. So, but then why wouldn't that bullpen game? Or whatever he's doing down in in the minors, those are still innings. They're still he's still throwing ninety plus mile an hour fastballs. Like there's still that stress on the arm. So while yes, those those pitches don't count towards a number, they still are stress on that arm. So that's kind of strange to me. Obviously, you've got to throw bullpens in between starts anyway. But mm -hmm. are they really just going to let him throw bullpens in the minors and then bring him up? And expect five, six innings at at one hundred and ten percent, because yeah. that to me is, is probably just as dangerous on his arm as it is to to overextend them. So great point. It's it's interesting. Ultimately, this is just such a big challenge, isn't it? The Marlins never expected themselves to be in a situation where they've got this young arm who pitched so well that they just couldn't live without him. And I just hope that they do the right thing and that they're safe and that we can enjoy seeing Uri for the next six, seven years in a yeah. mile jersey throwing, you know, quality innings. Um, but at the moment, as we discussed yesterday, the Marlins are doing everything they can to get to the playoffs and they're kind of pushing through some limits that maybe is unsafe. Yeah. I just hope they definitely don't do that with Uri. Yeah. Yeah. Great summary, mate. Firstly, <clears throat> what I've been thinking about in the kind of recent days, like in terms of just how this plays out, to your point, he's not throwing right now. He's been, you know, he hasn't thrown for a couple of weeks, you know, any kind of live innings, let's say, or 
facing live hitters. And we don't know how long that will continue. Some people were saying, oh, we might be back kind of like August time. I look at this and think, if like, what is the plan? What are the Marlins thinking? I think in their heads, they are thinking he's back for September and into the postseason. Like, they're saving the bullets for the highest leverage of leverage games. And that is going to be into September and ideally into October. So I think that's the plan. I think what we see from Rui Perez through August is him starting to be built back up to a degree. And, you know, to your point, Sean, like you can't just be throwing a bullpen here and there and then be expected to be dropped back in and deliver six innings, 95 pitches or whatever it is at the big league level. You just can't do that. So I think right now this is just a full kind of like no throw type situation-ish. Then they'll kind of start to build him again, and then maybe back end of August, early September, depending on how the kind of the pitch counts and the the innings kind of limits all piece together. I think that's what they're thinking. I think they're looking September and ideally October innings from Uri Press. It otherwise it doesn't make any sense. None of it makes sense to shut him down at that moment to then have him come back and pitch and then run out of bullets before the postseason. Doesn't make any sense. So he has a number. The number, I think, is 100 to 120. I think it's been reported. With that being said, Sean, are you happy with that? Like, if, if they say Vuri to come back, let's say he's back first week of September, and it's full go from then. Full go until the Marlins season ends. Are you happy with that at that point? I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm always going to err on the side of, of caution and, and concern. <laughs> I think I'm definitely the negative side of this uh, duo here. And um, 85 pitches, which is where he is at the moment across the minors and the major league level. Like, if it's 125, which I think is the absolute top level, then we're talking 40 innings. Um, so yeah. that's, yeah, that's... Eight starts, five innings. Like, yeah, in an ideal world, you'd go, he'd need two starts in the playoffs. The first, you know, the wild card round and yeah. then the, the, the first round of the playoffs, actual. I think any expectation above that is is a waste. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also, if they get that far, then maybe you, you add five more innings to that. Yeah. To that, to that number. Um, yeah. So that's that's leaving you six starts. So yeah, let's let's do beginning of September into that. But again, that's such a long layoff. I just yeah, it is. Like, is there is there precedent for that? Like, I, I've no idea. <laughs> we're, we're talking about such a young arm and such a huge talent that that anything they do is going to be uh, looked upon under a microscope. And and if anything goes wrong at any point, hindsight people will say they did the wrong thing. Oh, they should have done this. Oh, they should have done that. No matter what they do, if something goes wrong, they made the wrong decision. Um, and <laughs> believe it or not, I'll be in that camp as well. Yeah. I think I think ultimately my original stance of you brought him up, you, the, the expectations should be just throw 125 innings and then have him sent down. Mm-hmm. I know that September and obviously the playoffs are very important, but we've seen what happened when he's not in the locker room. Yeah, like the, the wheels just fell off the, the season almost. Um, 
And I would have much preferred them just to just let him go. And then a win in July is just as important as a win in September in my book. Yep. I think that was the the other interesting factor that Craig called out. A few others have been already talking about on Twitter to say that, oh, is it how, you know, the connection that Uri Perez is is option. He's away from the big league, uh, the big league clubhouse. Next thing is it just offsets the balance. You saw Uri Perez and what a type of character he was. And you know how he was just living life and loving it. And it was a big part of that clubhouse. And so it, it has kind of unsettled things a touch. Um, but it's we'll wait to see. It's an evolving situation. I was just concerned. And this goes back to our episode yesterday, where I was concerned that this was going to become bullpen after bullpen start. But it looks like they're going to get something out of Johnny Cueto. And so that has kind of mitigated that disaster. I think it, you know, to have a bullpen game planned for every five days for the next six weeks, like we know how negatively that would impact this club after what we spoke about yesterday with the pen anyway. So after the ads, I want to talk about Jorge Soler and what opportunity there could be for Jorge Soler remaining a Marlin in 2024. We expect him to opt out of that contract, but there could be a different way that the Marlins could have Jorge Soler with them. We also talk about Sixto Sanchez and whether his time with the Marlins and on the 40 man could end in around about a week's time. Before we do that, let you know about our good friends over at Game Time. Yes, sir. Um, and buying tickets to your favorite events, it should not be stressful. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, theater near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets. Start getting hyped for the fun you'll have, no doubt. Forget planning months in advance. No. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. They've got exclusive flash deals on tickets. For everything, guys. Football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And when they say football, do they mean the NFL? Or do they mean soccer? What do they mean? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't got a translation tool here. Game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONMLB for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. Speaking of lowest price, the Marlins won't be getting Jorge Soler for the lowest price. He has a mutual, no, he has a player option uh, available which is way below value based on the year that Hoy Soler is having. However, one thing that was spoken about in the spaces yesterday, mate, was if Soler does opt out, which he will, the Marlins actually have the ability to uh, submit a qualifying offer to Hoy Soler. Equally, Craig Mish reporting, reporting, sharing, I don't know the, the way to phrase that, but that Soler likes it in Miami. It's kind of similar. It felt to me like, you know, we could have replaced Jorge Soler with Starling Marte a few years ago. It always felt like Marte liked Miami. He liked the area. Who wouldn't? He liked the team. The team was kind of winning. wasn't then when he was traded, but feels that way. Jorge Soler, you know, 
He's been a big part of this club this year, Sean. Big part of this offense. Huge part. He's outperformed it. He's performed better than expectations, in my opinion. Um, I don't see another Hoy Soler in the organization right now, particularly after the fact that Heyrar and Canacion was recently uh, removed from the 40-man. So with all this being said, do you think the Marlins will submit a qualifying offer here to Hoy Soler, which is like pretty much just under like $20 million? So is Bruce Sherman happy to commit a qualifying offer? And equally, will Jorge Soler potentially accept a qualifying offer? We saw it with Jock Peterson um, in the offseason. He accepted one. Maybe someone else did, I'm forgetting. But, you know, guys are accepting them. It's a lot of money for a one-year deal. How do you see this playing out? Yeah, it's interesting. I think the second way that you put it is, it's not if will the Marlins, it's will Bruce offer that amount of money. It's it's essentially a one-year, $20 million contract. Um, and for me, I think it is a case of, we, we've talked about this season being all in for one reason and one reason only. Mm. Because Soler is not going to be here next year. That changes an awful lot of things for the Marlins. Mm. Uh, we, we discussed pre-show the idea that the Marlins will be in such a better situation next year to compete. With with Uri having more innings to work with, Lazardo having more yep. innings, Eddie having more innings to work with. So the subtractions beyond Solaire are for most people minimal. For me, they're massive, because one of them might be Coop. But Coop, Wendell, Floro, like yes, they're they're moderately good names, but what the Marlins got from them this year, not so much. So that aspect of it has me really interested because the Marlins could genuinely just push that all-in situation to next year. I don't actually think they will do that, um, but it's an interesting wrinkle. I also think that it could be if they decided to be sellers, that's a way to ramp up Soler's price tag. Oh, we don't need to trade him because we can just offer him the qualify offer. He likes being here. So yeah. that that price tag again don't think the Marlins will do that but that's a way to look at it good point i think it's an interesting aspect that the Marlins, while going all in this year could also not cost themselves next year yeah so i think that's what they'll probably do they'll probably go in buy at the deadline but also know in the back of their mind don't give up anything that's going to cost us next year's opportunity because so Lair's the only person on the roster, really, that would be a huge subtraction next year. Yeah. If they can bring him back, admittedly, at a high price. But Bruce has said he's willing to spend some money when the time is right. You're opening up, if they can make the playoffs this year, a little window yeah. of competing next year. So Lair likes Miami. He, he plays next year for the for the Marlins at one year, twenty million essentially. Mm-hmm. Who's to say if he has another good year, you couldn't do another little extension on that? Yeah, Soler's shown himself, in, to my eyes, to want flexibility. He doesn't want to be locked down anywhere for a long period of time. The way that the contract that the Marlins gave him, 15, 12, 9, with a player option every year, he's taken maybe a little bit less money to have flexibility. Mm-hmm. So that qualifying offer, while at 120, it might not be as much as he can make in free agency as far as 
a two-year or three-year contract at $50, $60 million. But what he's given himself is he's maximising his value for one year and having flexibility. Of course, he's got to back himself on that circumstance because he's got to have a good year because if he has a bad year, then the next year he's cost himself some money. But I think Soler wants flexibility, Mm. especially at his age. Yeah, Um, He wants to probably play in the playoffs. That's what he wants. So the Marlins can make the playoffs, offering that qualifying offer, he'll probably want to stay. Likes Miami, just made the playoffs. Team looks like it could actually be better next year if he's on that in that lineup. Yeah. This is this is me at maximum possibi- uh, positivity. <laughs> this is positivity overload from Sean Barrett. I've never heard anything like it, which is wild. But you make a plethora of wonderful points there, mate. I must say on Hoy Soler. I think it's going to be a very intriguing situation. The other interesting wrinkle here too, which I think links into the Marlins' decisioning here as well, right? Where if the Marlins submit the qualifying offer and he rejects the qualifying offer and he then goes to sign a contract, I believe, greater than $50 million, I think is the number. Sean's nodding, so that must be correct. Um, a, a contract value greater than $50 mil, which, let's be honest, if he signs a three-year deal coming off an all-star campaign. It's probably going to be over 50 mil. The Marlins get, what, a supplemental first-round pick? Comp pick? Whatever it is. Like, their pick, like, that's the value also here. And that kind of feeds into the trade situation, right? Where we had this Adam Duvall debacle a few years ago, selling low, high, or however you want to phrase it, with, with Adam Duvall. The Marlins will know. A, they want to keep Soler. He may well turn it down, but if they if he does, they get a pick in the 30s and, you know, a couple of million bonus pool accordingly, extra. So that's the value of that, that, that trade. It has to at least equal what they get back in that situation. So they're not trading Soler at this deadline. We know that. Um, I say we know that. We assume we know that. And, you know, who knows how the Rays and Tigers series goes, but... That's the expectation. Let's briefly segue into Sixto Sanchez because this was another wild topic of discussion on the spaces uh, on on Sunday evening uh, with Fish on First and Craig Mish. Uh, Someone asked about Sixto, what's the updates, et cetera, et cetera. Fundamentally, Craig has said what he's been saying for some time, which Sixto Sixto is done with the Marlins. He may be done with baseball. He may be in the Victor, Victor Mesa category of like feeding pigs in the Bahamas, but it sounds like his time is over, but he remains on the 40 man Sixto Sanchez. Sean Barrett, the deadline is looming. The Marlins need to add multiple guys to this roster via trade. They aren't trading pieces that are on the, the, you know, at least the 26, maybe the 40 man itself. There's a pathway here. I can see and I think you can too, where Sixto Sanchez is DFA'd by the Marlins after the deadline at some point. Uh, how can you see this playing out? Yeah, well, we've spoke for forever um, about why haven't they done this yet. Like they, They've lost a few players by taking them off the 40-man. Yeah. While Sixto remained on the 40-man. Like we, we kept asking that question. Why, why, why haven't they done this? Mm. And you brought up a, a brilliant <laughs> point. Like it's a case of they traded for him for JT. 
like a Hall of Fame catcher. And and that's something that we've not really thought about before. So it's absolutely that they want to hide that news, that they got rid of him. You know, they basically got nothing for JT because no, it's, it's over, it's done with. So they want to hide that news. What a perfect way to do it at the deadline, bringing in a key piece as, as a uh, aspire to make the playoffs. Everyone will be focused on that whilst they quietly just shoot six to away. If they can do it at the same time that Otani gets traded somewhere, oh, then baby. the whole league wouldn't be paying attention. And That's that right. would be absolutely ideal. <laughs> you make an amazing point. I, I believe that Otani will be dealt. I've, shared on this this podcast a few times. I think it would be malpractice for the Angels not to trade him at this point because just the potential return is so great, uh, potentially anyway. But if they if the Marlins were able to DFA Sixto on the day that Otani is traded, then that is the perfect situation because the word here is optics. This is all about the optics, and the optics around Sixto Sanchez are terrible. They couldn't be worse because how was he acquired? The Marlins traded JT Riamuto, who everyone loved. He was the best catcher in baseball, recognizes that when he was a Marlin. That's how good he was because non-Marlins fans recognize him as the best catcher in baseball. That's how we know. So to get nothing back from JT Riamuto other than a brief stint. Oh, and he did pitch in a playoff game, Sixto Sanchez. We have to call it out, but to get effectively nothing back. And for him to have the, maybe the mentality, the work ethic, or the lack of, um, is just so disappointing to us fans. And we see the same with Victor Victor Mesa right now. Like, it's just so disappointing when these guys, they get a ton of dough and they just turn it in and say, I'm, I'm not bothered. You know, it's so disappointing. And I know it's been injury-related, but I think the 6-0, and this is kind of where Craig was going to, is he hasn't helped himself. He turned up overweight, hadn't been throwing. Next thing is he gets hurt. So, you know, is he to blame? He's at least partially to blame. But 6-0 and the Marlins, according to Craig Mish, is over. And it's just about how they remove him from this situation. I think Sean has nailed it there. I think the Marlins will look to make a on-the-sly, quiet move linked to 6 when a bigger deal drops across the league that will take the eyeballs off. And I think Sixto Sanchez, as part of a corresponding move, will be removed from the 40-man and DFA'd during this deadline, whether it's at the deadline or as part of the corresponding moves, maybe slightly after. Wait to see. Avicel Garcia equally is close to return, Sean. Um, the timing is interesting, this rehab assignment. It, he has hit one home run, but other than that, it's been putrid from Avicel Garcia Craig Mish again speaking about money swaps, bad contracts or bad contracts. He definitely doesn't see Avicel Garcia on the roster for next year. Do the Marlins move Avicel Garcia at this deadline and just cut their losses, taking back maybe some bad money the other way? I think that would be the ideal circumstance at this point, especially for me, because I can stop talking about the guy. Absolutely. Because I'm, I'm done with him. Me too. And if it's not the deadline, then yeah, it needs to be the off-season. I mean, the... At this point, I don't want to see him in the Miles jersey anymore. It's no. just, it, we're done with him. Um, if they can do it for a bad money swap, then then do it. Um, and and that's, that's pretty much all I've got to say on that matter. Yeah, well, let's keep it rolling on that front. The You know, again, this would be disheartening for me. Um, 
guys follow me on on Twitter or X or whatever the the hell we're calling this platform right now, you will know I've been pretty high on Dane Myers. And unfortunately, I think if like Avisel Garcia is reinstated, like Dane Myers could be the corresponding move there. One of the other topics yesterday on the spaces was actually Xavier Edwards. Speaking about X, um, Xavier Edwards, and he might be coming up sooner rather than later. I don't think that links directly. My personal view is that doesn't link directly to Dane Myers. I think that maybe links more to maybe Garrett Cooper and maybe some of this kind of sickness bug that's rolling through the clubhouse perhaps. But, you know, for me, I'd find it extremely disappointing. Innocent, like not to the degree of Yuri Perez being uh, optioned and Johnny Cueto taking his spot. It isn't quite that vast. But Dane Myers being optioned after I think it's been a really impressive start and Avisel Garcia replacing him, for me, is subtraction by addition. And when the Marlins are vying for this postseason, they need, they're scrapping, they're fighting for everything right now. And I think Avisel Garcia has proven to be an absolute passenger all along as a Marlin. And I want zero passengers on this roster. I want everyone scrapping. And I just don't think that's Avisel Garcia. So let's hope it doesn't come to that. I think the rehab assignment has been timed interestingly. I think the Marlins want to prove that he can still swing a bat at this point. And the bad money swap means that he can fill some at-bats for some, some clubs. That's what I personally believe with no knowledge or insight. Josh Chisholm Jr., Sean, uh, according to a few fans that spoke with him yesterday, is due back on Friday. He's saying he's back in a few days. He doesn't want any rehab assignment. Uh, can we trust Jazz Chisholm's word on that? Uh, I don't want to say that we can't trust him, but he's eager to get back, obviously. Yeah. And, <laughs> good, good and, that's, and that's a good thing. Like, yeah. you know, that you, you want that to be the case. Like, a rehab start doesn't need to be 10, 15, 20 days. It could be three or four games. Like, go and get three innings in a minor league game, then six, then two yeah. at nine, maybe. Four four games in the minors, then come back up. Like, that's... That's what you need to do. That's the obvious thing to do. Like, go and play. I say go and play in, in a lesser, uh, stressful environment. But we've seen what Jazz is like. He'll lay out for a fly ball in a in a spring training game. So this is it. It, it is a case of you damned if you do, you damned if you don't. Ultimately, the Marlins. Yeah, the Marlins need a lot of additions right now. Jazz in the lineup would be massive for the Marlins. But let's not. Let's not just go and put the cup for the horse. Let's get some. Let's get some games down in the minors. Yeah. Make sure that that injury is is fine. Let's see what the swing looks like, um, and just see some pitching, some not major league pitching, but close to major league pitching before we put you in front of, yeah, the the big stage as it were. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the the point you make there, I think, is really interesting with jazz and like rehab, like. In some ways, you want to protect him more so from being in the outfield because of what we like. He's just full go, which is great, but risky. And so you kind of want, you know, maybe a few DH stints from Jazz. And, you know, know, I guess you want to just kind of be ready to play center field and whatever. But, yeah, I thought it was typical Jazz. You then get in the spaces, hey – what the guys are around the ballpark, like, what are you seeing from Jazz? What's he doing? It's like, no, he's not actually swinging a bat yet at all. So you've got to assume from zero swings of a bat on a Sunday, 
to then be back in the lineup on the Friday with an oblique? Sounds ambitious to me. As soon as it was an oblique, as soon as I saw that swing and that reaction, I knew that this was like probably six to eight weeks. Probably. And I think that's the most likely situation is it's going to be like a six-weeker maybe because swinging the bats to the, you know, the velocity, if that's the right words, the, you know, just the way Jazz swings, he's a power He's a power guy. You know, you've got to make sure it's right. Because if it isn't, that's season over. And the Marlins absolutely cannot afford season over for Jazz Chisholm Jr. In, in early August, they can't. Guys, we're going to wrap it up there. We haven't even had time to talk about George Soriano and his potential to start games if required. And I think that does pertain to Johnny Cueto, um, to be honest with you. I think if, if Cueto blows up or another starter goes down, then I do think George Soriano could and should be next man up. He has been impressive in the pen. But we don't have time. Um, Sean Barrett, the UK go. Thanks for joining me again. A doubleheader, doubleheader, but this is Tuesday's episode. Thanks, everyone, for making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day. I hope you've enjoyed uh, the second episode of the day in some ways. Uh, it, it definitely felt a touch looser than the first, but nevertheless, we'll be back on Wednesday because, of course, there's a daily, daily podcast, guys, and look forward to seeing you then.